Bezos cast had taken a hiatus or a sabbatical. Personally, for me, it was not a sabbatical or a hiatus or a time for rest. We are all in the midst of a lot of uncertainties, a lot of new things happening every day. So I am too drawn into a lot of new activities which are the pandemic response, mostly on the socio-economic reconstruction after the pandemic recedes. Even though things are not at rosy or clear, there are some good points that are emerging everywhere and we hope things will clear soon. I have been involved with three projects on post-pandemic socio-economic reconstruction and the fourth project is on design now, is on design phase now. I hope the future episodes of ResourceCast can clarify or bring out the discussions that are coming out of these projects in the near future. We have a coronavirus fatigue. We have a coronavirus quarantine fatigue. But let us hope that things will become better in the near future. One thing that the coronavirus pandemic has taught us was how effectively world can confront global crises of this nature. So this is a worldwide health crisis and we have the experience before us how effectively the global order is responding to this situation. The experience as we most of us can judge has not been very positive. There has been one bad decision after another at a country level and as well as at a global level. We still don't understand the nature of this virus, even to the term, even to the level where we are questioning our understanding of what a virus is. That is one of the reasons why we are still looking for tools to kill the virus, which um, we have discussed in our earlier episodes of ResourceCast is an impossible task. Virus, as we know, is a byproduct of life and it exists everywhere. One virus creating a big problem for the humanity is not something new, but not something which we also face on our, in our day-to-day lives uh, as an health emergency of this order. But still, we should have had enough understanding to deal with this pandemic. From our experiences over the last 100 years at least. Sadly, this understanding was not there. We have seen a lot of bad statistics. 
we have seen a lot of poor communications in effect there has been a sort of truth decay happening in the last few months it has been a failure of the global mechanisms to act in coherence and with consistency it has been a defeat of rational thinking it has been a defeat of understanding empirical data and the list can go on and on but in my opinion everything is not as dark as it seems we have seen the lowering of fatality rates due to this infection and this has been made possible by very ground level work of medical staff and physicians and this has really made an impact on how we deal with this pandemic rather than the global order dealing with or global organizations dealing with this pandemic i think it, this is a big lesson we have to learn while dealing to manage with natural resources in a sustainable manner very effective fruitful solutions emerge from ground level up it is kind of a bottom up development rather than a top down pushing of some solutions let us see how this could be translated into a framework which we can we could use for understanding how ground level solutions could be built in a better way or in a more frequent way as we know the bottom up thinking doesn't go to plants doesn't go according to plants doesn't fit within very defined frameworks of actions or thinking it doesn't fall within ideologies or our preconceived notions of how things should work and this is very messy way of working most people don't understand the value of bottom up thinking and action it is too messy to be seen as something that could deliver fruitful results but in reality we see that this is the solution that works this is the framework within which we see emergence of tools that really solves the problem once the value of these tools and approaches are understood the global order or global management network will take up this good practices and try to push it as a global standard but in many cases that usually fails because solutions have to be tailored for 
local situations. So let us put this in framework for some time in our discussion today and see how we can have a framework within which this bottom-up thinking could be developed. Bottom-up thinking could be said as piecemeal engineering, taking the words from Karl Popper. It is way of doing by trial and error. It is not obviously the most effective way because we don't know where we have to go. There are certain things which we could rely upon to help us in heading off in the optimal direction. I say optimal because we don't know which is the correct direction. But uh, we think that we can have directions which doesn't meander too much away from the solution which we need or the end point which we like to go. So how we can reach that point without unnecessarily getting lost in a lot of confusion and ending up in failure is something which could help us. So what I try to discuss today is building up a framework within which we can put our thinking in such a way that we can reduce some of this meandering, walking around in the wilderness without knowing whether we are anywhere closer to the solution or not. Talking about natural resources, minerals, petroleum, groundwater use, etc., we think in terms of the quantities that are required or demanded by the society. And from these quantities, we know that we are heading off in a direction of unsustainable growth. The footprint of natural resource, so-called extraction. I say so-called extraction because natural resource production doesn't necessarily involve extraction only. There are a number of steps which include mining or petroleum production to refining to other value addition that makes the material suitable for use by the society. To reach that point, it is not just extraction, but a number of steps which is much more complicated and involving than just extracting it from the, from the subsoil in many cases. The growth of this quantities which we require for social use, societal use, is also growing at the rate of 25 to 3% per annum on a normal year. I'm not saying that this holds true in this year of COVID-19 or in the subsequent years also. But in a normal year where everything is going as business as usual, we have 25 to 3% growth in the quantities that are required for the society. Currently, we use about 100 billion tons of raw materials or natural resources per year. And in 20 to 25 years, this will double. So from 100 to 200 and from 200 to 400. That is if we can still maintain this rate of growth at 2.5 to 
for for which we have no guarantee this could this could be as well possible that the growth rate could also accelerate we have a large land footprint for this production of raw materials and discarding the waste after use we have a large waste footprint we have a large carbon footprint this all have an very adverse impact on the environment as well as the the biosphere that surrounds us or the biosphere in which we also exist resource cost has discussed the 12 fundamental principles of resource management and one of those fundamental principles is systems view systems view essentially evolves around two aspects one is positive and negative feedbacks and delays there are certain things which give a feedback which will drive the system more in doing the same thing there are certain other feedbacks which will put a break on the the process which is being undertaken so we have to understand the positive as well as the negative feedbacks sometimes we know this impact of positive feedback in fuel consumption for example we have a model of a car which is highly fuel efficient that means it translates into less cost for the user the the user of that car will have to put in less fuel to travel the same distances as compared to a a model which is having reference fuel use case so what happens is that if the cost is lowered it automatically doesn't translate to reduction in fuel use what happens is users will start driving more distances and at the best case what we can expect is that the fuel use remains the same but in many cases the users will start using the car more and more that more fuel consumption will be the result so this is a positive feedback and negative feedbacks are very rare in natural systems these are feedbacks which retards or which are these are feedbacks which puts some kind of impediments in further continuing the process in the same rate negative feedbacks however are very important when we are thinking on a system level one example is if fuel prices are increased that will put an inordinate inordinate break on fuel consumption you will see suddenly people buying the fuel becoming less than anticipated so this is a an example of negative feedback where when 
less people buy the fuel then the price of fuel will go up further because the companies have to make a profit in any case so they will try to recover some of their cost by increasing the prices which will further reduce the number of people who are going to buy the fuel or the amount of fuel the people will be buying which will in turn then increase the fuel prices which will then even reduce reduce the the market demand even strongly and uh, in the end we end up in a situation where the whole system comes to a halt this is negative feedback delays on another hand are something which are very subtle they are not very self evident but it is inherently present in any system we put in an effort in a system to steer a process in certain direction the results will not be seen immediately it will take some time before we can see the results an example is that of a ship which is cruising in the sea at a certain speed and if the captain of the ship wants to turn it around and what he or she does is turn the rudder in a certain way so that ship will swerve from the from its normal course into into the direction which is required but this serving doesn't happen immediately it's like take some time after the captain turns the ship or the, if the captain stops turning the wheel before the ship ship's course is actually aligned with what the captain wants if the captain panics and starts pushing the wheel in the direction more vigorously what happens is that the ship will not be in the the correct course which the which the captain intended but it will serve more into that direction this happens because of not understanding the delays and i i don't expect any knowledgeable ship captain to do this but if you have a person who is has no experience in 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 controlling a ship placed in the bridge then this could possibly happen so the question now is how we can put all this in the correct perspective how we can orient our thinking in the correct perspective within a system which has got positive and negative feedbacks and delays one thing which surprises us in many cases are emergence of certain qualities which were not there earlier it is like mixing hydrogen which is a gas and oxygen which is a gas if you put hydrogen and oxygen together you get a water molecule which is a liquid and its properties are totally different from hydrogen or oxygen 
So if you look for qualities of water in hydrogen molecule or oxygen molecule, like wetness or its fluidity or its ability to be a solvent, universal solvent, ability to be a cleanser, etc., we will not find that qualities in hydrogen nor in oxygen. So we call this emergence. When you put lower components together, what emerges is something which is greater than the sum of their parts. This is very typical in systems and this is a sit- in many situations when we see emergent properties, we, wa- we are taken by surprise because we have no clue about these emergent qualities in any of the components. We don't see these qualities in the components. So this is something which comes out of the combination. In natural systems, like biological systems, physical systems, natural physical environment, these emergent situations do really create a surprise within us. So our best laid plans usually go every because of this emergent situation. Now, do we have a framework? Again, I'm saying this framework. I've used this term several times today. But do we have a framework within which we can think and understand how emergence could be tamed? Taming the emergence means looking for those qualities which emerge in the components, which I said is normally an impossible task. Talking about brain science, we see some thoughts emerging in, in the brain, in the conscious part of the brain, which have its roots in the unconscious brain. And we have no idea about what are there in the unconscious brain, which... What are those brain activities which gave rise to this conscious brain thought? And because of that, we don't even know what are the constituents or components of that thought. That is an extreme case of understanding emergence when we, when we even don't know what all components came together to bring together, to bring out this cause. Is there a way we can put some sense into this so that it can guide us at a ground level in building solutions which could be effective? This is something we can think in terms of natural archetypes or patterns. Are there some natural archetypes or patterns which we can rely upon? which could give us some guidance on how emergence are being modeled or how emergence happen about, how, how, how emergence are, emergent qualities are being drawn towards. Naturally, the scientific world has gotten aversion for this kind of teleological approach, saying that we think in terms of purpose for everything, And usually science tries to think from 
terms of cause effect but brain science as well as larger philosophical thinking today has has made the finer distinction between epistemic and ontological thinking very apparent epistemic is the thinking about what we know epistemic is everything we know and ontological is the real thing the reality of nature what we know and what is real could be far apart as human beings we have a capacity of conflating both together we think that what we know is what is real the brain has got a reward mechanism that promotes clarity in our thoughts certainty in our thoughts so we like to be certain about everything rather than remaining uncertain and confused so we jump into conclusion even before we see the cause we decide what the effect is what the effect will be one example is given that of tennis players where you often see a tennis player arguing with the line umpire on whether the ball has hit the ground inside the field or inside the line or outside the line and ultimately sometimes the argument become very furious because the player knows that he or she has seen the ball hit the ground on the line not outside the line and if you see from a physical reality point of view the player has got no chance in seeing the ball hitting the ground because it happens so fast that the brain has doesn't have the capacity to process the inf- information in all that fast and present it to the the player only the umpire the line umpire who is just concentrating on the ball that is falling on the line could understand could be able to see that ball the player has not seen the ball but ha- has been fully you know the player without seeing the ball is fully confident that the ball has hit on the line he or she knows that where the ball has hit without seeing it this is because the brain creates a situation where it presents the answers without really knowing what are the factors involved even discarding all the uncertainties it provides a solution to the to to us and we start believing we have a feeling that that is a, the right solution in the question of emergence we never know what are those things which are bringing together what are those causes which are bringing together a particular effect but even without knowing that we we are certain that we know how that is happening and it is a kind of an illusion a cognitive dissonance which is similar to our brain's functioning and this is also part of a brain's functioning that brings us to a situation where we think that what we know is real so knowing is one thing the feeling of knowing is another thing in the brain 
these two are experiences which are generated by different areas of the brain knowing is done in certain areas of the brain the feeling that you know about that knowledge is generated by other parts of the brain and the feeling that you know about something doesn't rely on objective facts it can jump into conclusion without getting any data on the objective reality the way we can escape this situation this illusion of knowing something without knowing the causes of that effect is to have a framework of at least four elements one is explanatory power we have to examine whether the decision or the final conclusion which we take can explain what is there in the system a solution which explains most of the features of a system or most of the states of a system has got an higher probability of being true secondly it should have empirical consistency is our conclusion consistent with empirical data and this data should be unbiased and it should not fall into the trap of confirmation bias in general if if we can have some empirical consistency then we have we can be assured that we are nearer to that truth third factor is logic is the conclusion we are reaching logically derived from from the factors which we have before us the facts which we have before us and fourth is simplicity is a conclusion depend on less number of postulates or a large number of postulates if you, if your conclusion is dependent on less number of postulates then that is probably more nearer to truth it is often called the occam's razor so if you have an occam's razor like approach to your conclusion with the least number of postulates then you are probably nearer to the truth so with this four cornered framework of explanatory power empirical consistency logic and simplicity we can make sure that the conclusions we make or solutions which we make could be more nearer to truth and could be producing the results which we aim for so such a framework has got a lot of importance in developing real tools for bottom up action and this is what the really successful people do when they are dealing with problems on the ground the really successful startups or small and medium enterprises which are being built to tackle uh, solutions or which are being built to solve not solved by any other processes or people who are bringing individual innovations into the society they all depend on a simple framework which is mostly coherent with this four cornered framework we will discuss more on this in the next episodes of resource cast thank you for listening and hope you will come back to listen for the next episodes of resource cast 
गुड बाय थैंक यू